Hello, welcome back to the Let's Watch Podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host and literal demon, Carolyn. That's me. And today we're continuing our 99 bracket with four movies, and we're going to be picking one of these to go up against Peppermint Candy. And the four movies are Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels against American Movie, and Three Kings against The Iron Giant. And Carolyn definitely watched all of them and just didn't read the Wikipedia pages again. Um... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and no. I read the Wikipedia pages and the IMDb pages and Ooh. watched portions of each movie. And that's what they do in film class, so I think it counts. I mean, you've seen them all before, so it's not like exactly. you haven't watched them. It was a refresher rather than um I actually watched most of Lockstock um and Smoking Barrel because I got it confused with um American the- movie. No, the one with the brothers. Oh boy, is this gonna be like last time when you were like, it's the movie with the vagina? Um, God, what movie was I referring to? <laughs> Basic Instinct. Oh, oh well, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, the we watched we watched this movie for the podcast. It was like our other gangster film. Uh, it was like Irish. The one with the brothers. Yeah. Like in this. Like Norman Reedus was in it. Oh, uh, Boondock Saints. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I like. I got them confused, and I was like, I feel like that's not that one, but um, it's not. No, it's uh, it's better than that one. Yeah. So, which one do you want to start with? Because uh, I only I watched three of these movies and didn't watch one because I I mean we'll get there when we get to that movie. I'll explain why I didn't watch it. So it's Three Kings, right? Yeah, I didn't watch Three Kings. <laughs> um, why don't we start at the top? Lockstock? That's and the one. American Movie? Yep. I have the synopsis's synopsis. So, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Eddie persuades his three pals to pool money for a vital poker game against a powerful local mobster, Hatchet Harry. Eddie loses, after which Harry gives him a week to pay back 500,000 pounds. I thought it was 50,000, but whatever. Sure. Lots oh, of no, money. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. And uh, this movie has incredible names such as Soap, Bacon, Barry the Baptist, Big Chris, and Little Chris, and uh, Dog, Nick the Greek, and Hatchet Harry. Yeah. Uh, as I said before in the, in the previous one we talked about this, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I enjoy it. I like it every time the same amount. I I think it's kind of, it's fun and it's snappy and it's like very Guy Ritchie kind mm-hmm. of that we're used to it now but it was his first one and I really enjoy the film. I do think all of the performances are are great and it and it's fun. I it it's obviously not a perfect movie and there are some stuff stuff that hasn't aged well, I guess yeah. let's say. Uh some misogyny and homophobia. But overall I, I do think it's like a movie that is way greater than the sum of its parts. It like it exceeds what you would honestly expect of like a British gangster film that's kind of a comedy. And I agree. And you know what? I forgot this, and then I remembered it as soon as I started watching it. It's like it's it's sadder than I expected it to be too. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually quite upset when all of this goes wrong. Like these are a bunch of idiots, but like they don't deserve to die, you know. Um, and a lot of it is just like people caught in the crossfire and stuff like that. So I, yeah, it is actually quite sad when you're like, shit, they all die except like two dudes, you know? Yeah, and it, it does a good job like with the four main men, how they're all 
stupid idiots. Mm -hmm. But you do like them and are wanting them to succeed in what they're doing because they're against significantly worse people. But they're actually like kind of just like three of them are just trying to be good friend. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole thing is like they're just trying to be a good friend to their friend. And that's why they're doing this and they get mad at each other and all that stuff. But like ultimately they're just trying to like help their friend through a, like a rough patch mm -hmm. through his life. And then they get tangled up in, as with all Guy Ritchie crime movies, there is a bunch of other people in the movie and everybody kind of comes together and collides in hilarious ways. And people get out of stuff out of their, none of their own doing. It just, they get lucky and it happens to them. Mm -hmm. And then they like, there's multiple times in this movie where people walk into a room after there's been like a huge gunfight and they're just like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just going to take this and leave <laughs> while the rest of you are here. Yep. Like dead or close to death. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so, so bye. Yeah. Uh, I, I obviously like there's a bunch of very talented actors in this. Um, like the, Jason Statham wasn't really a name. Yeah, I think it was his first uh, feature film, actually. And he's great mm -hmm. in it. Uh, Vinny Jones is also his first feature role, who plays like... Uh, Big Chris. Chris. Big Chris is great, and that was his first role. Um, as well, al although ultimately it's found out that's all Vinny Jones can do, but he's good at it. <laughs> but he's good movie. at it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, like he kind of... If people were familiar with Vinny Jones before, is that he played in the Premier League in soccer and he was kind of a goon mm -hmm. so it kind of fits with this movie and he kind of like played up his assumed personality mm -hmm. um but i really i really enjoy this movie i think it's i i like it a lot i do think it is as good as it can be like i don't really think yeah you can make this would be better i agree it's it's like a mobster film those can only be so good right yeah, it's a mobster film that t doesn't take itself very seriously, which yeah. is refreshing. Yes, if it took itself seriously, um, it would be a distinctly less good movie, like Boondock Saints. Yes, and they don't show a bunch of action in this film because it's, it's obviously made with a very tiny budget. It's incredibly talky. I forgot how talky it was. Yeah, and it's better for it, in my yeah. opinion, is that like the actual action stuff that happens, they do show a little bit of it, uh, but the actual big fights aren't important to the story. They would just take away from the story. Yeah. Uh, because it's more interesting. The character development is what actually what we care about in those scenes. And you get it before the scene starts. And then at the end, like during the fight, if you're not actually showing any character development, the scene doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So, but no, I, I really enjoy Lockstock. Um, I'm constantly surprised that you like it as well because it just does not seem like a Carolyn film. It seems very masculine. I mean, I like it. I don't love it. I like it better than I thought I would. Mm, which that's not what you tell me, me when we're not recording. <laughs> Liar. It, but it always, <laughs> whenever there's a movie that surprises me, I end up liking it that much more because I'm like, ha, huh. I came in with a very, very low bar um, and you impressed me. So it's one of those like, I can appreciate that. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can acknowledge that you impressed me kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm the same way. And the last thing I'll say about Lockstock is that it is like a perfect movie to put on if you're with like a large group of people or you have something on. It's like the perfect TV movie, essentially. Right. Because you can like come into it at any point and mm -hmm. you're fine and I you mean, can leave at any point and you're fine. I don't know. I do. I do find um, I found it both times I watched it that following the various groups of gangsters and who is 
friends with who is a bit confusing. Yes. But if you've seen the movie before, right? Yes, then that's true. You're like immediately like, okay, I know what's going on. Yeah. And it is fine to put on with like a large group of people because it's fun and it's entertaining and it's brisk. But also it's like it doesn't require listening to every amount of dialogue at all times. Like you can yeah, follow along very. <laughs> they talk a lot. And it's like movies like that are good. And I think that's kind of like Guy Ritchie's lane for his mm -hmm. movies that he makes is they're supposed to be fun. And you're supposed to be able to watch them with people and have fun. I think that's kind of what he goes for. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, this is his maybe his strongest best film, mm -hmm. maybe second. But I really like it a lot. Um, it's so entirely, totally different from American movie, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. I guess that's a good segue. Um, I'll pop into American movie. So a documentary about an aspiring filmmaker's attempts to finance his dream project by finally completing the low-budget horror film that he abandoned years before, and that is Coven, which I forgot. Coven! <laughs> Not what Coven. Nope. Coven. Yeah. Man, I like this movie. Every time I watch this, I like it more than I more? should. I love it because it's a doc about... Like, kind of nothing. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I think it's so funny that this aspiring filmmaker, his most successful doc is actually a, a doc about him rather than his work, you know? Yeah, I I will, I also like American movie more every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. Because it is a movie about a lot of stuff. Like, it's about perfectionists mm -hmm. and how incredibly difficult it is to make a film mm -hmm. and how driven and how kind of, kind of have to sacrifice a lot to get it done mm -hmm. but also how it's like people people who are not as talented as they think they are making stuff and how it affects the people around them and how it affects their um relationships and how be I, I i this is a weird thing to say but he is kind of undiagnosed in my in this film right mm -hmm. like he is there's he's like a high kind of a high functioning alcoholic mm -hmm. and he's manic and how all of that combines together into like him and trying to make this movie mm -hmm. when it like the movie like American movie is not about the movie he's making. It's a, no. it becomes about the guy. Like it starts about like this person trying to film finish these movie make these films, but it becomes about the guy. Well, it's about an American chasing his dream, and I I think it's so interesting because you're right. It is about someone who's maybe overestimated their ability to make things, but. It also, and I appreciate this because this is really the dichotomy. It's like, okay, maybe you're you're thinking you're too big for your britches kind of thing. Maybe you think you can make this and you really can't. But does that mean you shouldn't try? You know, yeah. like you can you can tease this dude or any other dude or whatever and be like, oof, you think you can do it? Or honestly, let's be real, you think you can be a rapper? Because we all know someone who thinks they can be a rapper. But like, <laughs> they're going for it. We aren't going for it. Good for them. Exactly. They're you brave know? enough to try. Yeah. Uh, and we make fun of I, them because we're not. Exactly. But I, I do think this movie also is like it. him releasing the film is not is the end of the movie. But it's mm -hmm. not. It's like even if he'd never released the film, he was still successful with mm -hmm. what this movie is. Is that he still made the stuff. Or he's well, still making the stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. like he, he achieved his goal. The film does not need to be successful at all. He finished the project. Good for him. You know? Yeah. And how he's willing to sacrifice so much to follow his dreams. Yep. At the at, when he really shouldn't be. Like, he should no. not be doing this because he has three kids. 
But the thing that's crazy is like this happens with good filmmakers too. Like we see this guy and we're like, oh, you are not good enough to be sacrificing stuff for this. But like, but he loves it, right? Yeah. And so why is it that when good filmmakers do it and they sacrifice stuff and they mess up their families and whatever, but they're good at it that we're like, oh, it's allowable for them, you know? Yeah. And it should not be allowable for either. It's mm-hmm. very, like, I think at least that's what I took away from it, right? Is that in order to be a successful filmmaker, you have to sacrifice so much. And is that really worth it in the long run? Because the odds of being deemed successful filmmaker are very tiny. And even then, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's very, it poses, it, the movie poses these questions about a lot of stuff. It's like there, his relationships with his mother and his uncle, and they're, mm-hmm. they're weird. And you're like, it's kind of exploitative. But then mm-hmm. the movie shows you later that he like, he helps them out a lot. Like he's mm-hmm. caring for these people and it's kind of like the deal. It's like, yeah, he's able to get money out of bill all the time because he like actively like takes care of bill and like helps yeah. him go to, helps him in the bath, like helps him groom himself, helps him like clean and mm-hmm. make sure he's doing okay. And sure. Like when people be like, Oh, he's doing that to get the money. It's like maybe, but maybe this guy's also his family and he's just helping him. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's, that's what I love is that this movie it covers a lot of different things, relationships and like very complicated relationships and, you know, with people, with alcohol, that sort of thing. But it is so interesting because, yeah, the whole goal of him finishing this is like to overcome his self-doubt basically. But also at the same time, I think he's working on Coven for like, what, like three years, two or three years or something. Yeah, It's like, it makes you kind of be like, oh God, was it all worth it? Like. It's yeah, a long time it, to and a lot of energy to put into something that sucks. Yeah, and it's a short film. And mm-hmm. it's like he does the breakdown. And it's like not really going to be seen by a lot of people. And Coven has been seen by way more people than it originally would have because mm-hmm. of the dog. But it is. It's like, is it worth it? And it seems like it's worth it to him. And that's mm-hmm. all that really matters. But it is like it damages his relationships with his family and his friends. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of a shitty dad. And yeah. He, also is homeless unclear unclear yeah or it may be homeless for parts mm-hmm. of it or he's just like and he works dead-end jobs that are really thankless in all pursuit of his dream and he does have like some of his like his one friend is like really nice to him and mm-hmm. is constantly there and and helpful and his mom is really nice to him his dad is kind of done with his bullshit uh and not supportive at all I mean, mm-hmm. there's a great scene when they're like watching the Super Bowl and he's watching it in the kitchen with his mother while his dad and his brothers are in the living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I really I like this movie way more than when the first time I watched it. I my memory of watching it, I was kind of apprehensive watching this because I remember I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. The first time. Uh, but it was just obviously such a better movie than Cruel Intentions. But oh, Cruel Intentions is awesome. I mean, yes, it is awesome, but it's it's a mess. Uh, <laughs> but it's awesome. I think what makes this one hard to like is because it's not one that you sit there and go like, well, that was fun, right? Like yeah. it's sad and it's challenging. And I mean, it, it's what a good doc is, honestly. And it's like some of the stuff makes it uncomfortable and hard to watch, which when you're comparing it to a film like Cruel Intentions, you're like, well, Cruel Intentions was way more fun, you know? Yes. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's also like how... This movie's about how, like, what, how old do you think Mark is? He's, what, 
early 30s in this? Late 20s? Uh, I think early 30s. I think they said at some point, didn't they? Well, I mean, he has three kids, so he has to be at least late 20s, I would assume. So he and was born in 66, like so seven. make him 33-ish. Yeah, so it's also, it, oh, the movie's, like, he does not act like what people would assume a 33-year-old acts like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know very some much of those. <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not 33, thank God. But at least in this, at 99, it's, he didn't act like how a 33-year-old should act. Mm-hmm. Or how people assumed they should act. And it's very much like, is he ever going to grow up? Grow up, right? yeah. Like, they do frame it in a way of like this is like a child child dream childish dream because the movie shows you like when he was a teenager they he was still making stuff and it's yeah. like he's wanted this his whole life but is there ever going to become a point for him where, where he he's realizes like, he needs to stop pursuing that and it might want not work out <laughs> yeah he's like this I need to be able to provide for my family mm-hmm. whereas my opinion on that would change if he was single and no kids because then it's like if he can support himself do whatever then you live want your life man. But you have three children who you're making sleep in the editing bay with you. Mm-hmm. Is this really worth it? And it's like maybe this man shouldn't have had children. Is like that. And they, they don't show him in a good light. They show him for who he is, which mm-hmm. I like. But you still like he's not a bad guy. He's just complicated. And mm-hmm. he makes good and bad decisions. And I think, the, I mean, the title is perfect for this film. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's. It's about the American dream as much as it is anything else, you know? Yeah, and how you're kind of forced to be this way if you want to be successful. Mm-hmm. Or you are lucky and nepotism. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I don't know which one we want to put through because I kind of like these movies the same amount, um, at least for me. I don't know where your your head's at. I think that I'm leaning American movie. Um, simply because it does like all the stuff that a doc, like that a good doc should do. Like it's very complicated. And I think our hesitation is in that it's uncomfortable because it's complicated. Um, whereas like lock stock, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a mobster movie. Okay. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's going to lose to peppermint candy in a second anyways, but you know how it is. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we both know what's going through. But yeah, I, I think American Movie is a better film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a very good documentary. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to... Which one do you want to do? Do you want to do Iron Giant first? Yeah, let's get that one out of the way. So, The Iron Giant. A young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy. So I love The Iron Giant. It's so good. It's so good. It's... Um, such a lovely animated film and it's full of heart. And it's like, it's this beautiful cult classic now because they really fucked up with the marketing the first time it was released. Um, yeah. So it undersold a lot. But like, this movie's pretty incredible. It was extremely understaffed and they were expected to make it in half the time with half the budget that other movies of this, um, like other animated movies of this time were using. Mm-hmm. But I love it. It's It's just sweet. But also it's cool because it like, I mean, it's definitely a movie about the Cold War, but it's not quite about the Cold War, you know? It's like rooted in historical times, but not about them. Yeah. And it's strongly like anti-gun. And I mean, you told me last time we did this that it's an intensely personal film for Brad Bird Mm -hmm. because of what happened to his sister 
um, and it has like a wonderful message and the animation is incredible and it's like hand drawn and it's, it's beautiful. And it's also like, it has these fun, lighthearted moments of a kid getting to be a kid, but also the realities of life around him and how just because you are deemed something doesn't mean you have to be that Mm -hmm. like even a machine is capable of change Mm -hmm. as long as you have like conscious and emotion it's i love the machine that's like made for war exactly and it's like i love this movie it's it's so good Mm -hmm. um i i honestly i think we're both on the same page that it's going to go through yeah we don't have to talk about the other movie moving on (sighs) kidding no we we can i will say that i the movie the movie three kings i i enjoy it i like it a lot yes um way more than you'd think so in the aftermath of the persian gulf war four soldiers set out to steal gold that was stolen from kuwait but they discover people who desperately need their help oh no they're expected to do their jobs on their way to stealing the gold (laughs) um so yeah i i like three kings a lot as a as a movie i i obviously loved the cast of like George Clooney, uh, Ice Cube, Marky Mark, and um, Spike Jones. It There are lots of parts in this movie that have not aged well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very blatant homophobia and racism in this film. Yes. But I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that some people in the military would have those views about people of different races. Um, but it is kind of played for humor a little bit in the film, which is gross and definitely would not be the same now, but it is like actively anti-war and all that. It's more of the issue both Carolyn and I have with this is that the man who made the film is a piece of poo is an incredibly, incredibly large piece of shit. Just for, there's a famous story that has been around this movie for the longest time of George Clooney punched David O. Russell on set, but it's very much always been framed as George Clooney punched David O. Russell because they didn't like each other. Mm -hmm. And it was like a contentious set between the two of them. And it was very much like on George Clooney is why he, like George Clooney started it, right? It's kind of how it's always been phrased. Mm -hmm. Um, At least in my memory of it. Well, I've I've always heard that he's a bit of a hothead. Clooney? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's always there's always been a little disconnect for me at least about him is because he is so gregarious and is a great interview and genuinely yeah. seems like he just kind of he seems like he's just a little bit like a goofball most mm-hmm. of the time yeah um and that he has all of these people who like love him like they, they're like george clooney's great right yeah and it's like but he punched david o russell and we've all i've always heard about david o russell that he's like difficult to work with and demanding but in the way like david fincher is where mm-hmm. david fincher is like no we're doing it again and he's just like we keep running the same scene over and over and over because he is looking for something specific and it just hasn't happened yet. But I have a fairly long quote um, from George Clooney about David O. Russell, mm-hmm. which I think I'll read it. It's going to take a, a while, but I'll read it. All so, right, see you in and it was minutes. in, yeah. <laughs> so it was in of all magazines, Playboy. Mm-hmm. Um, George Clooney on David O. Russell and the film Three Kings. It was truly, without exception, the worst experience of my life. Playboy asked him, did he, Russell, yell at you? Clooney answered, at me often and at someone daily. He'd throw off his headset and scream, today the sound department fucked me. For me, it came to a head a couple times. Once, he went after a camera car driver who who I knew from high school. I had nothing to do with his 
getting his job, but David began yelling and screaming at him and embarrassing him in front of everybody. I told him, you can't yell and scream and, and even fire him. You can yell and scream and even fire him, but what you can't do is humiliate him in front of people, not on my set, if I have any say about it. Another time, he screamed at the script supervisor and made her cry. I wrote him a letter and said, look, I don't know why you do this. You've written a brilliant script, and I think you're a good director. Let's not have a set like this. I don't like it, and I don't work well like this. I'm not one of those actors who likes things in disarray. He continues, he read the letter, and we started all over again. But later, we were three weeks behind schedule, which puts some pressure on you, and he was in a bad mood. These army kids, who were working as extras, were supposed to tackle us. There were three helicopters in the air and 300 extras on the set. It was a tense time and a little dangerous, too. David wanted one of the extras to grab me and throw me down. The kid was a little nervous about it, and David walked up to him and grabbed him. He pushed him onto the ground. He kicked him and screamed, Do you want to be in this fucking movie? Then throw him to the fucking ground. The second AD came up and said, You don't do that, David. You want them to do something, you tell me. David grabbed his walkie-talkie and threw it on the ground. He screamed, Shut the fuck up fuck you and the ad goes fuck you i quit he walked off it was a dangerous time i'd sent him this letter i was trying to make things work so i went over and put my arm around him and i said david it's a big day but you can't shove push or humiliate people who aren't allowed to defend themselves he turned on me and said why don't you just worry about your fucked up act you're being a dick you want to hit me you want to you want to hit me come on pussy hit me i'm looking at him like he's out of his mind then he started banging me on the head with his head he goes hit me you pussy hit me then he got me by the throat and i went nuts waldo my buddy one of the boys grabbed me by the waist to get me out let me go of him i had him by the throat i was going to kill him kill him finally he apologized but i walked away but by then the by then the warner bros guys were freaking out david sort of pouted through the rest of the shoot and we finished the movie but it was truly without exception the worst experience of my life Jesus so that's Christ. who david o russell is what's weird is i have heard this story but a slightly different version and i think that's the thing is there was a lot of confusion around it in that like i i i heard the same thing about the driver um which david o russell piece of shit he <laughs> he said something to the effect of like well, I didn't yell at the guy like I, you know, I got out of the car and I was like, yeah, I yelled fuck and I was kicking the dirt and everything like that. And then George, George had this whole big thing about defending the driver and I didn't even do anything to him and our camera was broken, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, first off, don't throw a temper tantrum and kick the dirt and yell fuck. You're the boss. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. But with the um, with the like fist fight or whatever, um, what I was reading was that there was a guy, an extra who was supposed to like throw ice cube to the ground, I think. And he was like yeah. struggling to do it. And David O. Russell went over and showed him how to do it. But George Clooney and several other people were not there for this thing. Like they were kind of off. And then they looked and they thought that they thought that David O. Russell was assaulting this guy. They didn't know that he was explaining things. Yeah. Which first off, if that's your first instinct, that means it's a bad dude. But Anyways, <laughs> yeah, if that's what you jump to, <laughs> yeah, and then so and then it kind of sounded like George Clooney like kind of went nuts on him. Um, so it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like no one's ever going to agree what happened in that situation. But honestly, the drama started with the script. Even so, the guy who wrote the script—I forget his first name, but his last name was Ripley. Um, he wrote this script actually as a challenge to himself to see how fast he could sell a script to Hollywood. Um, so he wrote it in like a week and sold it within like 18 days or something. And then Warner Brothers was going through talking to David O. Russell and was like, we got all these scripts. Which ones do you like? And basically, David O. Russell said 
that he never read the script. All he saw was like the kind of the log line, which was a heist set in the Gulf War. And he's like, oh, I love it. I'm inspired. And then he wrote his whole own script. The guy who wrote the original script was like, my script got bought. I never saw any changes. I never saw anything. I was sent the final script and my name wasn't on it. So <laughs> that's where it started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, he's an author filmmaker, right? And, and like all of them, there are problems because you tell someone they're a genius and they're going to act like they're God's gift to the earth. Yeah. I will say, again, like obviously the Three Kings set was troubled yeah. and George Clooney should still, even though in that moment, like if a... I mean, David Russell was like actively assaulting people and assaulting mm -hmm. him. George Clooney still shouldn't have hit him. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say it's like, obviously it's like he said, she said thing. But I will say it's like I side more with George Clooney just because oh, the um, yeah. other stuff David Russell has done. Like, for example, Lily Tomlin uh, called him out on his behavior on another movie. And mm -hmm. he had a tantrum and called her lots of words and th started throwing straight at people. Mm -hmm. um, he made Amy Adams cry every day on the set of American Hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, continually disparaging people in positions lower than him or mm -hmm. people who are minorities, like women or people of color. And he actively, uh, there was a, a Jude Law was going to go film a Christopher Nolan film instead of an O. Russell film. Mm -hmm. And David O. Russell like, threatened to ruin Jude Law's career, um, went this to Christopher Nolan and like, physically intimidated him to not let Jude Law do it. This guy, though, he sets himself up, like, for putting himself in all these positions because apparently he doesn't use a shot list. Like, he just does this improv on the fly thing and does, often yeah. asks people to do extra hours. Everyone's, like, exhausted. They all hate him because of what he's doing. So, like, yeah, sorry if the sound department did fuck you over one day because they didn't know what scenes you were shooting or how you wanted to shoot them so they couldn't prepare. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, even if you had all that stuff prepared and the sound department is lagging behind, mm -hmm. it's there. It happens. People make mistakes. Mm -hmm. You still don't get to yell and scream at them. Mm -hmm. There are ways you can handle it that are professional and without acting like a complete asshole. He also, I mean, get the last, like the cherry on top of all this. He also has assault allegations out against him. Um, that yeah. people have come forward. So, and obviously, like, if this is the culture that he breeds on the set, and somehow this movie still came out as good and enjoyable, mm -hmm. it is like in spite of his actions, and it is kind of a bad movie because of how we treated people on the set. Like, you don't, like, we've talked about this before. Like, we've both met, like, in a previous podcast, I think we talked about how, like, Stanley Kubrick, like, actually tortured Shelley Duvall on the set of The Shining. Mm hmm because he wanted a specific performance of her and it's like is that that movie's not good then because he was like actively abusing somebody during the making of it yeah it's like you can't like that's you can't there is like there's a whole romanticized thing around art and hollywood in general is that you have to like suffer for your art mm -hmm. and it's like yes it can be difficult and challenging mm -hmm. but you don't have to put yourself through physical pain yes you're an actor <laughs> you're an actor or it's like it's you don't have to like be like go through torture to make something like that's not what we like that's not what humans should do like yes it, it could be challenging and difficult but it doesn't have to be actively painful to you and it seems like david o russell wants the chaos because he thinks he thrives off of it even though it directly harms everybody else around him oh 100 percent, yep and 
it's like all of the people who worked in this movie with a, I think the exception of Marky Mark haven't worked with him again. Mm-hmm. And he does have some repeat actors and actresses now. Wow. But I don't know. Like maybe they he is not that way to them or maybe he's changed. I don't know. But I mean, he made Amy Evans cry every day on the set of American Hustle. Like, does that seem like somebody who's changed their behavior? No, not at all. But maybe um, these people come out of it and they're like, well, he pulled out such a fantastic performance from me. He's so good at what he does. Yeah, but they're, I maybe, and they're entitled to believe whatever they want to. But mm-hmm. I would push back on that as there are other difficult and demanding directors like Dave, like David Fincher, who directed mm-hmm. Fight Club. And how lots of actors do not like working with him because he is demanding and makes you do like I think he made Mark Wahlberg walk out of an elevator like 115 times and it like broke Mark Wahlberg or not Mark Wahlberg, Mark Ruffalo. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And Mark Ruffalo was like, he's like, I don't know. Like, I'm not even doing anything. Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And it was like just like his David Fincher's shoots are long and grueling. Everybody knows this. But. There's that level of demanding, and but apparently David Fincher is like a nice guy, and he doesn't freak out on people on set. But he is like expects what he, he expects wants a lot from you, yeah. And but he is also good at communication. Like he's like, this is what I want. Do this, mm-hmm. right? And he'll jump in and show people if, or he'll do it. He'll jump in and be like, change it like a little bit to make it how he wants. But he generally works with the same people and has had lots of actors return to his films and enjoy working with him. Mm-hmm. Whereas David O. Russell. It seems to think that he is that way, but <laughs> yeah. also just actively abuses people on set. So, I mean, for, I also think Iron Giant is just actually genuinely a better film. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. Though, okay, I know we've talked a lot of shit, but in terms of Three Kings, <laughs> I really did appreciate. It. I thought it was going to be just a stupid action movie, and I loved that it was like it was very much not an action film. Mm-hmm. But um, and it pulls like the like morality out of these men right yeah. that they they present themselves as being ill moral and being like we're just doing this for the money because fuck the war and fuck everything mm-hmm. and then when put in a position they do the right thing mm-hmm. and they actually help save people even though and there are consequences for their actions mm-hmm. and they accept them and it's i do think three kings is a good film and mm-hmm. way better than it has any right to be again when you hear the premise of like a heist in the Gulf War and you're like, oh, this could be really messy and kind of insensitive. Mm-hmm. But they do spend the time on developing the characters and on both the Americans and the Iraqis. Uh, and I, I, I do like the film. I also do think it's very masculine in a movie made for men. <laughs> I do have to say, when I was on the Wikipedia page, you know at the bottom where it says like, see also and it says like related things? Yes. So under C also it said white savior narrative in film. And I was like, oh God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a little bit of that. It Uh, is that. It 100% is that. I would also say it's like an American savior thing as well. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more than white savior, but it doesn't show those four guys as good guys, though. No. It kind of points out that they're like. But it does show that, like, they're on their way to seal the gold and then they're like, oh, I guess we should help these poor people that need our help, you know? So it does exactly. do a little bit of that. It does. But they do help the people. But mm-hmm. it is a white savior thing. Uh, obviously, the Iron Giant is going through because fuck David O. Russell. Yeah. Uh, as much as... but And also, it's like, I like 
all the actors in that film as well, but it's just not as good as a movie as it comes down to it. And then add on top of all of the shit, David O. Russell, who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can't, you just can't do it. Like we can't, you can't, it's not a good film. If he's like that, then it's mm-hmm. simple as that is that you don't get to act that way on movie sets and be like praised for your art when you potentially ruin people's lives and give them trauma, long lasting trauma for all we know. We've said it's it before like, on this podcast. We don't reward bad behavior. No. So American Movie and the Iron Giant is tough. It's uh, a weird battle. <laughs> it is a weird battle. I would say there are less charitable readings that you can do with American Movie. Mm-hmm. There are There is some stuff in that movie that makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Which I Whereas partly the Iron think Giant, is the You come p- out feeling awesome. Kind of. Um, <laughs> it's like... Kind of a, it's like a pseudo happy ending. It's like bittersweet more. Um, but like there are some, st- and I think the point of American movie is to put you in positions where you're like, I don't know how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. This is complicated. This is just like real life. Like this, I know who this person is and I, I don't really know how to feel because there's a lot of stuff there. Well, the whole movie, you don't really know. Yeah, you don't know how you're supposed to feel coming out of it. Like with Iron Giant, they wrap it up and they tell you what to feel. Whereas American movie, you're like, well, all the questions we just asked, like, is this worthwhile? Are you, should you be doing this? Should you be doing something else? Do we support him? Do we not? You know? Exactly. And it's very much just like, it's actually, it's just like, that's who, what humans are. It's like, mm-hmm. everybody's like that is like, you're full of contradictions and all of that stuff. It's like, but he's also trying. It's mm-hmm. very... It's very difficult for me. It's like I, I really like American movie, um, but I just have such strong feelings for Iron Giant. Like I just love that movie so much, and I think it is perfect for. I think the Iron Giant is like the perfect Iron Giant can be. Like it's as best. Like that movie is as good as it can be. Like I don't think there's anything I would change about the Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Really, is that this movie is perfect for what it is, and it's incredible. And I'm so. It's like the one now that we live in a culture of ip it's like the iron giant has been like left alone even though like mm-hmm. they obviously set it up for a sequel and it's like we're not doing another one and it's like thank you <laughs> because yeah. we don't need to i liked it uh, as just this yeah and i think it's unfair when the iron giant is labeled a kid's movie because then yeah. it makes it feel like it's lesser it's like for example what is currently out in theaters right now is space jam 2 and there's like a whole thing around it where it's like this movie is good a good kids movie and i'm like does that mean it's a good movie or is that your code for like kids will like it but it's actually a bad movie yeah and i think that's unfair to movies is like a movie even if it's made for a younger audience should still be able to entertain people of all ages like, oh yeah 100 percent. always well pixar does it right they put in those jokes for the adults you know yeah pixar movies are horny mom and dad want to have fun too Uh, please tell me about the fun mom and dads want to have. Nope. 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 You don't want to tell me? Nope. Wow. It's already grosser than I wanted as it the, to be. As the woman in a, a thruple, this is quite... Hey. Quite... <laughs> no. You're not. Not you're, yet. You're married to the job. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. It, it is true. Please, I have... You know, you'll eventually you'll find that mythical week where you're less busy. <laughs> the other day someone said to me they're like you should give yourself credit for all the work that you're doing and i'm like i'm not doing work i'm doing everything badly and they're like you're working on seven projects and i was like well when you put it that way and then you broke down and cried <laughs> i mean i think i might have been crying at the time to be honest but, uh, but yeah 
<laughs> you're like, I am great. You're right. That's uh, true. What were we talking about? I think they're going to make a movie about me called Canadian Movie, and it'll be about how I bit off more than I could chew and then died. Well, so, okay. Uh, so we should put the Iron Giant through then. <laughs> um, that was, whoo, that was too real. Uh <laughs> They won't make a movie about you. That's where that ends. Yep. Uh, because you don't want to be on camera. We both know this. That's true. I would make the a movie. The movie will just be you else. pointing the camera to landscape and then talking. That's <laughs> true. Like, no, don't look at me. Just a voiceover. It's podcast with visuals. Of, yeah, of beautiful Toronto scenery. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I'm leaning personally towards the iron giant because i do think it's a better movie Mm -hmm. but american movie is challenging and is something that is more rewarding on a rewatch so i might like it more if i rewatched it again because it actively pushes me like quest i question it makes me question my own beliefs on stuff which it really makes you think yeah which i love in a movie but it is certainly not it is certainly not. It's. I don't think it is as good as a movie as The Iron Giant is kind of where I'm at. But I don't know where you are. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm fine with either of these movies going through. It's hard because they're so incredibly different. Um, <laughs> yes. But in terms of Iron Giant, from like concept to execution, like on every level, I think it's really great. Um, American movie. It really does make me think. There are days when I really don't want to think, though. You know. Yeah. That's true, and that's yeah. ultimately a failing of the film. Is for exa- for example, Peppermint Candy is also a movie that makes us think and question and pushes you. But mm-hmm. I don't have the same negative attachments to that like I do American Movie. Well, because Peppermint Candy, I think it's partly because it's fiction and it's very stylized, right? Whereas American Movie, it is uncomfortable watching real people who live this way. Because it makes you evaluate you and everyone else in your life and realize that all this is out there, you know? Did you just subtweet me? (laughs) (laughs) Did you just say you like this in fiction because it's, you know, less, it's not real. So you can actually, uh, (laughs) it's easier to emotionally attach to it. 100%. (laughs) Okay, so I'm quitting this podcast. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you do that to me? I'm a fragile man. Please don't point out my foibles. (laughs) Uh, you're right. We're learning about about a lot about ourselves today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you're right about that. I don't, it's really, I, yeah, it's, it, this one's really difficult for me because like you said, I think the Iron Giant is, they nailed everything, Mm -hmm. what they were going for. I would say let's do Iron Giant because it also, I think appeals to the widest audiences. You're right. Yeah, that's true. And also. It does have a much bigger, lasting cult following. Yeah, I, American Movie also has like a huge cult doc following, but The Iron Giant is for a movie that failed when it came out mm-hmm. has really it's become grown. an important movie for at least our generation. Like i I don't know a person, everybody. I don't know of a person I know that hasn't seen The Iron Giant. I think everybody's seen it. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody everyone thinks kinda... of it fondly too. Like, there's a lot of other children's movies where people are like. Tarzan. Well, yeah. Some people are like, I love Tarzan. Other people are like, oh, I'm a Pocahontas fan. You know, that sort of thing. But Iron Giant is one of those ones that everyone forgets about. But when you bring it up, everyone's like, oh, Iron Giant. Yes. Mm, Yes. The mythical people who love colonialism. Pocahontas. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) Uh, No, you're right, though. The Iron Giant is 
is favor is looked upon favorably by I don't I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say I dislike that film. Yeah. Um whereas I I don't know. I think that's the right decision. I I mean, it has really the Iron Giant with the exception of going against Pokémon in the first round has really gone against some fucking movies that are a completely opposite tone of it in every conceivable way and can, yes. will continue that when it was against peppermint candy it's like jesus christ yeah. also we should fight we should have one movie in the final eight that is like happy <laughs> we shouldn't just have like dr- like depression porn here i mean that's all that's left though not true we still have tarzan yeah we have tarzan we have toy story 2 yeah, Ratcatcher, a very fun movie. A very uplifting. I was thinking Bringing Out the Dead, very <laughs> uplifting. Yeah, you know, uplifting movies along the ways of Eyes Wide Shut and uh, Girl Interrupted <laughs> and The Wind Will Carry Us. <laughs> oh, movies that just make fun. you feel great. We really, <laughs> what we've actually learned about this is that Carolyn and I don't like movies that make you feel nice. We like no. movies that make us feel bad. <laughs> I think the movie that makes us feel the nicest that's left on the list other than Iron Giant is probably The Straight Story, and that is not an uplifting movie. I was going to say Ghost Dog. <laughs> that's not an uplifting movie either. <laughs> There's a uh, yeah, pigeon some... massacre in that movie. That's the massacre you take away from Ghost Dog is the pigeon one? It surprised me. It shocked me. Yeah, and you, We both know that you do love animals more than people. I don't. I don't <laughs> like either. <laughs> I know. You are famously an animal hater. Yeah, it's true. You you are the one person I know who hates dogs. I don't hate dogs. That's yeah, that's not what the text messages you send me that that I see. Just I'm getting pure slandered today. I please, I never slander or gaslight you ever. ever. How I would never do that to you. That would be a bully job. That would be that I'm not a bully. How dare you? Okay, now David you're bullying me. See, <laughs> I'm not David O'Russell. Please don't say that. You're like, please take that back. <laughs> please take that back. That's way too mean. I'm a nice person. <laughs> and then I'm going to headbutt you and be like, hit me, pussy. Hit me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I will because I'm George Clooney. Also, to be yeah. fair, he was working three days a week on ER at the time and four days a week on Three Kings. So, bro had not gotten any sleep. I can see why he hit him. Also, you know. Yeah, to be fair, it's like you're going through that and then you have a man who is like fucking trying to emasculate you and, well, and all you're that. The lead, you're, you're like, so you feel like you have to defend everyone else on set? And George Clooney is known has been like a person who will speak up about stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is he's been, he's been publicly open about what about what Hollywood should do to abusers, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is made that stance widely clear. So it kind of fits with him and I, yeah, I mean, George Clooney's also a massive philanthropist, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean he is a good person, but I think he is... Um, not a bad person. <laughs> not a bad person. I mean, at least he has, like, the right morals. Yeah. As we, as we That he presents. We don't know, but I think he is actually just a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like how Carolyn is, you know, a bad person. Yep. Because she bullies me. I'm uh, the bullied one. Yeah, and I'm not a philanthropist, and my morals are in the, the wrong That's place. That's not true. You're a philanthropist. You give me a bunch of money. Well, I was going to say I spend time with you, which is... A, a oh! Okay. So I was going to give you a compliment, but now I'm not. Uh, so, so the next, next week, movie what are we doing? doing uh, Princess Mononoke and mm-hmm. the following. Which I've already forgotten. A movie that exists and is real. Uh, against Girl Interrupted, a movie that is uh, 
very up Carolyn's lane. Um, I have the book too. Yeah, and the wind will carry us. This is tough, with the exception of one film in here. Following, um, yes, but the other ones—that's that's that's, a, that's three very good movies. Yes, that's true. And we have to pick one of them. And yes, eventually my plan is to have merch for this podcast. And the first thing I want to make is it's the movie with the vagina. <laughs> is I just I want that on a t-shirt you so badly. <laughs> I think people would buy that. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be like uh, all I say is that multiple people have text messages to me and said that they lost, they laughed out loud when you said that. <laughs> we should design shirts that say like, "Let's watch" at the top, and then we fill out the the big words under it differently every time based on quotes that we say. So it's like, "Let's watch the movie with the vagina." You know, I just can't believe you referred to Basic Instinct as the movie with the vagina. I think everyone should know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, there are lots of movies with vagina in them. Yeah, but that's the movie with the vagina. What? Is it? I don't just know. I've like never a... seen it. You haven't even seen it? No. Oh, man, that makes this worse. What are you? <laughs> what? I'm actively like shaking my chair arms right now. It's like, <laughs> made me, like rock in my seat. I don't know. Like I can't contain myself. Like you haven't seen Basic Instinct and you still think it's the movie about the vagina. It's an erotic thriller. Well, erotic, hence the vagina. I know, but when you say it, it's the movie with the vagina, my mind doesn't go to basic instinct. My, guy, my mind goes to movies with vaginas in them. <laughs> there is definitely a vagina in that movie. <laughs> I don't know if you see a vagina, but she does do the un, like the, the uncrossing of the legs to like, you do, seduce Michael Douglas. It's actually been a huge um, issue. That's why I know about it, because it's a huge scandal, because um, creeps have like lightened that scene so that you can like look like... And zoomed in and like done all sorts of creepy things. And she was told on set that you couldn't see anything. They made her take off her underwear so that the lines of her something, something, I don't know, some bullshit excuse. <sighs> and then she was told that you couldn't see anything and you can. And of course, creeps on the internet have made it abundantly clear. And now her lady bits are all over the internet and she did not consent to it. That's why I think of it as the movie with the vagina. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And that's very aggravating mm -hmm. it makes me very angry also mm -hmm. that why did those why did they do that on set why did those people lighten the footage it's just a vagina <laughs> yes but there are mystical beings between our legs what do you think's oh, down true. there like a gnome you know well i've never seen i don't know exactly for all i know is that it's just like a playhouse down there um, for all you gnome <laughs> oh oh god <laughs> uh i did not know that about that i um that's gross yep. on multiple levels I Film really is a bad. bad medium. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that men are gross? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's just the film industry, not other industries that are also like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe all of them? Mm-hmm. Except, uh, is there an industry that is predominantly women? Um, anything we name right now would be sexist. You're right. I put you in your <laughs> position there. <laughs> Good point. Um... But that stuff doesn't, I just, it's also because I know who directed Basic Instinct. That's such like a male director thing to do. Mm -hmm. Being like, yeah, it's fine. But we want it to be, na like, we want it, we want it to, like, why does it matter if you're lighting it out anyway? Why does she need to take her underwear off? Well, I looked up an article just now. Um, the, who is Paul Verhoeven? Who is this guy? Paul Verhoeven? Yeah. Is he the director? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. 
He says um, one of his friends, basically, like, he was at a party and he and his friend met this chick who it became very clear was not wearing underwear. And then his friend was like, you know, we can see your vagina. And the woman smiled and said, of course, that is the reason I do it. And so basically, I think he was taking this character that he met in real life and like femme fatale kind of thing. And like, this is the 60s. Um, and then was like, oh, <laughs> that that had such an impact on me. Let's put it in the movie, you know? Yeah. Okay. But consent. Yes. Yes. Um, and I will say, like, I like Paul Verhoeven's movies. His his most recent films um, have been, like, around the specific consent issue. Mm-hmm. And he does make good films, but that's really gross. Well, like that's that the thing. Is it's I, this article that basically said uh, that, like, she was asked to take off her underwear. That came out in 2021, like, very, very recently. Um, before that, it was just, like, the vagina scene and everyone's like, can you see it? It's like people were zooming in and, like, it's apparently like a sixth of a second. And so everyone that was working on the film was like, I guess if you pause it, it's maybe her her vagina, but we don't know. So basically it was that. Um, so they could kind of justify it. Well, they tried to justify it in that in that sense. Um, but in the article that came out in 2021, Sharon Stone said it almost broke her, basically, because of the oh, like. Oh, man. But the thing is, even if she did consent to it, which like she may have, you're allowed to later be like, whoa, when I agreed to it, I didn't realize creeps on the internet would make such a big deal about it. Exactly. You know? Like, it's, it, can't it can still hurt change. you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that's so gross. It's, like, the the creeps on the internet are, are gross as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also that, like, the decision that led to that. It's, like, if it's six of a second, then why does it matter? Like, yeah. really, it's more of, like, the emotion in the scene is what's making that than the actual vagina mm-hmm. i mean i hope yeah i mean i hope she's doing okay because that can be that's a lot to deal mm-hmm. with and especially like knowing people are like actively lightening and changing it to try to see it a part of you is very um it's creepy horrific yeah, yeah. it's very creepy and horrific but i mean well now i know about that now i don't want that quote anymore you've ruined it <laughs> yep look what you've done I know. um okay so I don't know how to end this now because that was sad. Where can they find you uh, tweeting about this? About vaginas specifically? Yes, about um, the enlightenment. Oh, God. Oh, that was not meant no, to be a pun. No, I, I, no. It was not. It was not. I meant you're enlightened about the movie. I didn't mean <laughs> But you know what? I'll lean into it. The enlightenment yeah, Talk your way out of this one. I'm just yep. going to let the dead air sit and you can talk your way out of this. Well, you can find <laughs> me uh, weeping uh, about this on um, – <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at carolyndunk93. Uh, and you can find me uh, all over the internet at, at James Willicks, except on Twitter, where the O is a zero, because I hate myself. Yeah, and the next four movies will be Mononoke and The Following, and Girl Interrupted, and The Wind Will Carry Us. And we might have something in between. We actually didn't talk about that before. So well, I I'm going camping, so nope. Oh, yeah, I forgot Carolyn's got her 15 vacations planned for summer. Uh, yeah. Cabin one week, camping the next. I'm a busy the following girl. weekend, she's going to go to a movie theater for the first time in two years. I'm going on Wednesday. <laughs> what are you seeing? Fast 9. What? I haven't seen any of the other ones, so it's going to be quite the oh, learning wow. opportunity. Well, you have the right amount of hours to watch all 11 movies before <laughs> you watch Fast 9. That math doesn't add up. And then Fast 9 is the 11th movie. It does add up. I don't see why you're confused. <laughs> 